Hello everybody, Mariner here and welcome to Net That Hull for Game Week 17. Um, I, I'm obviously joined by two, uh, shall we say, much calmer guests than me. Um, Gabriel, FPL Lens, how are you doing my friend? I'm I'm doing well and not suffering from high blood pressure. Well, I'm trying not to. And and Craig from uh, the Mountain Pod, how are you doing, my friend? Yeah, good, mate. I just took my hat off, so me and Gab can, uh, Gabe can be even more alike. Um, if, if, actually, if, if there is a real... like in terms of the calmness. We now look a little bit alike as well. So we'll, we'll do actually, that. actually, yes, for those, um, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, I think for those who are actually listening to the pod, you need to come and have a check it out. I, I need to be very careful what I say here, or I could get myself into trouble. But that's not <laughs> you uncommon. refer to this as Bo- Buddha bald. It's called Buddha bald. Right. Really? Okay. I was yeah. going to say something else, but no, I bet not. Something about what nothing grows in the desert. Can, Sorry. Oh, can, God, I said it. Yeah, anyway, right. So anyway, gents, first things first. Um, we've just, uh, I, I've been away for a few weeks. I, I was actually in the UK. Um, I can safely say, Craig, it was too bloody cold for me. I'm very pleased to be back in the desert. Um, but what I did actually manage to achieve during uh, the time in the UK was three of the worst game weeks in my FPL career. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking uh, about, uh, Chris. It, it continues. This, this, this season continues to be a gift. It just keeps giving me crap. That's what it keeps doing. Um, so how, how was your... How was, how's your game weeks going gear but i mean you're still not checking rank so i suppose you've no idea maybe i better stop off, off just asking craig yeah i think so <laughs> yeah, I, got, I i'm uh, i think this is my second highest overall rank of the season after game week one i think game week one i was five six hundred k and then it was a gradual constant stream of uh, red arrows after that since I played my wild card, the greens have started to come again. I think I've had six greens in seven or something. I'm back to like 1.1 million or something now. Still over well, crap. The heady heights. The yeah, heady no. heights of 1.2 million. I mean, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm below that. I know I am. I'm, <laughs> I've, been, I've been teetering around. I've got as high as 600,000. Now I dropped down to 1.7 million with two shockers. And now I've just crept slightly back up. But interestingly enough, and again, this is just how... This is how it goes, isn't it? The only captain return I've had in weeks is from a vice captain. Says it all, doesn't it? This would be great Says if we got that. We, we didn't all get that, Chris. We all, <laughs> some of us had Salah, but we didn't vice captain him because we decided there was a... <laughs> Me and Gabe spoke about Liverpool Palace on here last week and agreed, I think, that it wasn't a good game for Liverpool. So mm-hmm. I decided to back myself and put Alvarez as my vice captain, who had a better game against Luton, I think, than what Salah had against Palace. <laughs> I don't think they had a shot on target and, Liverpool, did they, for about 80 minutes until the red card? And it, Salah gets it, it, a it wasn't, assist. It, it, wasn't an, it wasn't a good watch. I, a I did watch a bit of it. We, we have, and we also have people I know, Nick Khan in the chat, they they backed your metric, Mariner, and went with Ollie Watkins as vice captain. So um, <laughs> you, you have some <laughs> things to answer for. <laughs> <laughs> First evil laugh of the show in three minutes. Nice. Love it. Anyway, anyway, enough of this birth. Right, what are we gonna do? Let's let's get in let's get into this. So the first thing, Gabe, the guy sat on the toilet. This this was me this weekend, but that's another story. Um how <laughs> <laughs> um I'm gonna read this out this week. 
if you want to go quickly, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Does this relate to going to the toilet? <laughs> I mean, Please explain, because I, I have no idea. Uh, maybe in your culture. I, I won't knock it, just in case, but... Uh... But no, that, so this this got me like there's a lot of talk lately, and I know um, Craig, you guys mentioned it in your show uh, last night on the the Man on Pod that the the template is changing, and one of the ways in which that template could be changing, for example, if Holland is indeed out and we have Afcon coming up and the Asian Cup coming up, um, that the the template could be shifting right to to a big at the back because that's kind of the only other place where we can spend our money. So this just got me thinking about like template and going with the herd versus differentiating. And I've used this this quote in seasons past, but I wanted to bring it up right now with with the the, the way things are changing, and and just like know what what you and your team need in in every given part of the season. Um, so if if you're looking to if you see an opportunity to improve your rank, you know you're gonna have to go differential in something. Could be a captain C choice. Um, could be players you bring in. I know some people have gone recently, have backed actually the matchups and have gone with um, with William. Um, I know Huang has has panned out, Cunha has panned out for some people. So that's that's how you gain rank quickly, right? But if you want to stay in the top ranks throughout the whole season, you have to also go with the pack. So the the trick in FPL certainly at this time of the season is finding where what the right balance is for you. The right balance. Yeah. Um, well, we can, don't need to worry about balance if anybody decides to take Harland out this weekend, right? If if you dare. If you dare. Oh, he's definitely ah, going I'm for doing... me. It's not even a consideration. I already did it. He's, same, he's going same, for me. I'm, I'm he's going for me as well. He's going for me as well. The, the yeah. issue is, is do I just bench Trippier and then go with Trent and Trippier? <laughs> the back. <laughs> <laughs> the trouble is Newcastle are terrible. Anyway, in next story. Um, um, Craig, what's your yes, perspective man. on this philosophy? Just very quickly. I, I always like to give the the, uh, the the other member the opportunity to respond to, to my complete lack of knowledge and, and Gabe's philosophy. Uh, no, I like it in the sense, I think the FPL has always been a bit like this, that you need sort of eight core players that are quite well-owned. And it's the three players around that that are the ones that really make the difference to you. Um, even five points on top of the average of game week, if you do that consistently, you're going to be doing overall very well. And I think the key to it is identifying, it's quite easy to say, identifying the right player and then moving them on. You mentioned there, Chris, already around Anthony Gordon, for example, around Newcastle, just generally being a bit crap at the minute. Is now, if you've owned Anthony Gordon for the last sort of six, eight game weeks, you've probably done quite well. But equally now... Is there an opportunity to move off him? There's a, there's a lot of collection of players around six million in midfield who are all fairly handy right now. Leon Bailey, Decore's doing well for Everton. Huang's doing well. But if you've done well out of Gordon, you look at Newcastle's games, you think, I'm not going to move him on because I view him as a safe player. But my, my go-to with this is Mikel Antonio from a few years ago that he started like this, sort of points in seven, eight opening game weeks and he had about 10, 15 game weeks where he got nothing. And everyone persevered with him for all of that time and kept getting two points off him consistently. If you can identify now that a run of a certain player has ended and then you can move on to a different one and continuously move on those three sort of outside picks and keep getting on to the next bandwagon, 
that that's going to be the critical thing now. And it may be new, maybe Newcastle players are those players that we move off of now to look for the next uh, bang. Uh, it, uh, it did cross my mind. I mean, I, in a fit of disgust on uh, Sunday night, I did say, sell Trippier. Trippier's a sell. So fed up with them. Conceded late, you know, suspension, conceded late. It just it just really stunk. And then I just looked at the team. I thought, oh my God, they look so bad. But I look at Anthony Gordon. He's actually a bright spark in that team. He should have had a return, really. He, they had a very good chance early on in the game. Gordon created it. And quite frankly, it should have gone in the net. It should have been in the net and he would have had an assist. And then I wouldn't be worried. You know, maybe we wouldn't be talking like that. But yeah, good point. Um, let's keep going then. Let's dive into these matchups. So, Gabe, we'll come to you as what we'll do is we'll come to you first. Then I'll do my bits. And then um, the resident expert here, Craig, will let you <laughs> dissect it to start with. And then Gabe and I will, well, respond um so let's let's start well first things first Gib, your summaries there do, do you want to do we just time stamp this and move past it and then say come back and look probably the best idea isn't it yeah yeah i don't think there's anything super notable here sometimes i'll highlight like last week i highlighted the fact that fulham had the highest net xg so if there's anything outstanding like that i'll, I'll mention it but i think we can get right to the matchups this week. just just to get that point across very early one point to me one point to me uh, right brilliant 10 minutes if you want to come to the video to on youtube to actually check games uh, data out it will be on the screen for you we will um timestamp it for you so the first game knots forest against tottenham gabe over to you what's netxg saying Interesting that NetXG sees it like at least from a statistical perspective, it's um it's a pretty even encounter. And I think one theme that we're gonna see in in many of the fixtures this week is good teams playing away against bad teams who are home. So the bad teams seem like they're much better. Uh, or because they're home, and the good teams seem like they're much worse because they're away. And and I think this is the the first example of that, um, Forrest have only conceded about 1.1 1, 1 .1 XG per 90 at home in the last six, um, while while Spurs have only generated one, one, around 1 1.3 XG per 90 in the last six away matches. So I'll be I'll be curious to match this up with your with your um, with your metrics there, Mariner, and see what the XG prediction is um, from a tactical. Uh, I was yeah, going to say, ahead, I was going to show you. I was going to show you. It actually is very, it's very similar. It's very neutral. It's, you know, mm. 0.9 for Forest. Actually, Spurs are slightly minus um, with respect to attack, minus 0.4 on fixture difficulty. Um, I've ringed the matchups, particularly for Spurs. Look how red they are. They really are, you know, you, you're absolutely right with respect to the. Uh, the XGs, the XG matchups, 1.2 for Spurs, uh, 1.5 for Forest. Nothing much in big chances, nothing much in uh, shots on target for Spurs as well. It really suggests it could be quite a hard day for them. Um, mm. I mean, Forest, uh, it's a funny one because Forest, are in a, you know, they're talking about sacking him, aren't they? They're talking about sacking the manager. He said he was on on pretty much on death row, Craig. Um, where, do you, where do you see this one going? Um, obviously, the numbers paint a tricky picture, potentially, for Spurs. Um, 
I think obviously the main talking point most managers care about is Son this week. And most people would have instantly thought it was bad against Newcastle to see him play down the left with Richarlison back through the middle again. Um, And probably with good reason, based on the start of the season when Son was playing down the left in the early game weeks and wasn't doing very much for the first six, seven weeks. Richarlison wasn't doing much either, playing through the middle. And I think a, a lot of us sort of had a piece of that and didn't get many points for it. But I think it's just worth pointing out that players playing down the left against Nottingham Forest lately have been pretty good. So Cunha scored the weekend. He was, many see him as the striker, but he was actually playing to the left of Huang for most of the game. So he was playing down the left, scored. Dwight McNeil scored for Everton against Forest recently, obviously plays down the left. William had a quite influential game against Forest, playing down the left. Um, so in recent game weeks, I think you can attack the, the Forest right side. Um, so Sun playing down the left, if he plays there again, is maybe... Still not ideal. I'd still rather see him through the middle, I'm not going to lie. But if he is down the left again here, he could still be quite a good matchup for him. And and with Tottenham as well in general, they're not, they're not shy about throwing bodies forward, right? So if Forrest do defend with their back five, I know they like to call it a back three, but let's be honest, it's a back five. I think Tottenham will get enough bodies forward to make sure there's no sort of spare defender to mop up. Because if, if teams attack with like four players, obviously they've got a spare man there, Forrest, to try and help. But I think Tottenham with both the fullbacks joining the attacking structure with Son, Richarlison, whoever else is up there. I still think Tottenham can create overloads in, in good areas of the pitch. So I, I, I like it for Tottenham. I think they'll score two goals or more in this game, despite what this data is suggesting. OK. I mean, obviously, the zonals don't pick it, Gabe, either. But to well, be honest, if Son's well, moved, it won't. So um, and, let's and, and, and I, and I would put your stuff back on the screen. Yeah, in, in terms of the zonals, remember, this is where chances are created from, right? And and so that's why I brought up the, it's the return of the heat maps, Mariner. So, so we're going to see several heat maps in these uh, matchup slides. And if we look at the second one from left to right, that's uh, forced chances um, conceded. And and there's, in, in Anja's system, um, Borro bombs down the half space, that, that right half space. And I think Borro could be kind of like the center of creativity, kind of feeding Son on that left-hand side. So I think the chances will be created from Porro and Son will be, and even, and even Richarlison here will, will be the beneficiaries of, uh, of, of those chances. So, I mean, Porro has been on the verge of just exploding in, in recent game weeks. That's why I took a hit to bring him in last game week. And, and I think this is, this is the one where he really, just, where he really bangs. He got a clean sheet. I think he hauls this, this uh, in this match. They are the worst team in the league at the minute for XGC, though, Tottenham over six game weeks. So predicting a clean sheet is optimistic. But, <laughs> but they might get one. Um, but defensively, they are No one either. <laughs> well, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, uh, there's no such thing as a clean sheet in FPL for me anyway. So we don't That's need to true. talk about defence. <laughs> Just talk about attack, I suggest. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's, this is a tricky one for me. I, I could, Obviously, I could bring Sun in. Um, it, it does make me think. I, I I would probably be going against the grain from what I'm looking at on you know for the data that I've shown if I did it. But yeah, I can see your I can see the perspective of it. What what you're saying, guys. Uh, okay, um, let, let's keep going. Um, Bournemouth against Luton. Now this is an interesting one because all of a sudden Bournemouth are in the conversations. However. When I did a, uh, the, the talisman that is Dominic Solanke, maybe, maybe hasn't quite delivered the talismanic sort of numbers that 
we maybe predicted a couple of weeks ago, Gabe. In fact, probably the biggest source of my rants in the last few weeks has been checking and seeing Bournemouth scoring three goals and then finding nothing for Dominic Solanke. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, when previously he'd been involved, when previously he should have had one and a half, he should have had one and a half involvements out of those three. Um, but anyway, enough of my pain and suffering. Um, Yonet XG likes Bournemouth this week. My, my net XG, like me, like Bournemouth from now on. Um, Bournemouth 1.61 net XG, Luton 1.26. So again, as teacher says, um, clean sheets and FPL are an absolute myth. I guess, I guess that's that's true these days. Um, definitely goals. Bournemouth's right side lights up for creativity, um, which is interesting. Um, and then what I what I wrote here, and, and then 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 we'll get to to your data is is just like like the way Bournemouth create right. So uh, they cross from the left to the right, but um, but I think that like the creator, the assist potential is going to come from that central area that's highlighted there in in the heat map. So, um, you know, FPL teachers saying that he can't wait to hear the Tavernier versus Solanke versus Semenyo debate. The way I see this one playing out is um, the creativity coming from Tavernier um, with Solanke and Semenyo being the targets. Um, and But I think Solanke could also be the target to, for a knockdown for or, or the target to bring the ball down and then play Semenyo in. Um, I don't think he'll necessarily be at the tip of it, all of them. So I kind of like all of them. I like Solanke and Semenyo for I, I like Semenyo for goals, Solanke for goals and assists, and Tavernier for assists in this one. What's your data say? All right, let's look. Um, it really likes Bournemouth's fixture difficulty 2.9. Um, quite likes the defense at 0.4 as well, one of the better ones this week. Um it, it too also picks out of the right side, Gabe, but it should do because we're using the same data. Um, XG is 1.9. Uh, 11.5 shots in the box, 2.8 big chances, 5.3 shots on target. This suggests goals, Craig. Uh, where are you going with this one? Yeah, I think it suggests goals, but maybe not Solanke, is my gut feeling. Um, <laughs> Just what I wanted to hear. <laughs> only because I think... Um, my, my gut feeling it's not a clear observation with Luton I haven't watched a lot of them if I'm being honest but um, they, it feels like they're more able to deal with like a target man type striker um, they've obviously played three at the back they pack out the middle of the pitch um, they play a little bit like Brentford that's why I always compare them to the, the playing styles are very similar apart from Luton have just got worse players than Brentford and less outlets and things like that but they're quite able to stay in a game. They're quite able to be defensively dogged and, and things like that. And I think they cope well with sort of trying to deal with target men. It's the runners around the target men that maybe cause them a few more problems. So I'd probably go more with Semenyo being better suited to this fixture than Solanke. I've got an option. Say if I sell Haaland this week, I've got the, the three names that stand out to me to bring in a, a Watkins, Darwin, we'll get to that fixture later, and one of the Bournemouth guys. And you look at the fixture this week and think the Bournemouth guy has probably got it best. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not... There's something putting me off a bit, Solanke. I, I, I'd probably say Bournemouth win this 2-1, something like that. But I, I've got a feeling more that Semenyo's got more more input in this game than Solanke has, just because of the way Luton sort of set up in the middle of the pitch. We scored last week, didn't he? So it's not going to score next week. 
Yeah, but Luton, I'm going to try and Luton, I'm going to try and play out from the back and give give a counter attack from like twenty yards. <laughs> That's that. That's true too. What I will say is like this. This is another one. Like Luton away are not the Luton that we've seen recently at home, right? Uh, they can see the most shots per ninety, almost uh, more than nineteen shots per ninety, and they have the second highest X, xG per shot. Um, and and those those stats I think really do favor Dominic Solanke, who can get into small tight spaces and, and get a shot off. But then what at what for me adds to Solanke's appeal is in that heat map, the second one from the left to the right. The chances, performance chances created. I, I do see Solanke dropping in dro uh, or dropping a little bit deeper to be that target and then playing Semenyo through. So not necessarily always that fox in the box. I think um, Iraola will, will switch that around a little bit. And I, and I do think Iraola, this is this is a match where um, Iraola will get Kirk is quite involved. So that extra attacker can can change things as well and could even get Tavernier involved in different ways. Which brings us to the, actually some questions, actually, um, which we may as well use these. Now, these were in our Discord, Gabe, and they all all these questions came from Thingamabob, so I'll just put them on the screen. So the first one, Resident Tacticos, that's you guys, not me, by the way. What do you think of Bournemouth's recent big upturn in ex, uh, expected goals conceded their decent run of games? He's talking about the defence, Bournemouth defence. Uh, well, variance on legitimate improvement. I haven't got that information handy there. And then Sebastian Kiw is saying, is Kirkes worth consideration? Everyone's talking about Sinezi, but I'm really impressed with Kirkes's performance last weekend. Block shot, constantly charging forward, only costs 4.4. I, I missed the point four off of that. I missed the four off the, off the end of the thing when I cut it in. Um, what's your perspectives on Bournemouth's defence? It's, it's not something I've ever looked at this season, I've got to be honest. They are second best for XGC, I think. Over the last six game weeks, there's a few interesting stats around. Well, Solanke is actually the top striker ahead of Haaland for expected goals over the last six. So that factors into what we're talking about attack. And in terms of XGC, I think they're second only to Arsenal. I know Arsenal defence has been frustrating. One clean sheet in six, but Bournemouth ahead of Man City, ahead of Liverpool for expected goals conceded. So at a time when obviously we're finding it hard to pick defenders, why not have a go with with a Kirkes or someone for a couple of game weeks. Um, you, you certainly can't recommend anyone else over him right now. You're going to recommend an Everton defender. If, you, if you're in the, if you're fishing for someone around four and a half million, is an Aston Villa defender better than a Bournemouth defender currently? That They're one of the only teams that maybe would be considered a better team with a defender in that ballpark. Um, I, I wouldn't put anyone off getting a Bournemouth defender. It's not for me. I don't really like defenders from teams like this, but, if you're a data guy, you can't really knock it currently because they're, they're very good for the last six game weeks. Yeah, and I would say, like, Sorry, aside, even aside from the data, I think, um, as who was it? Who was it that was it? Was it Dom? I forget who asked the question, but uh, that they they said that Thing they've been Bob. watching Kurt. Think I'm above Sebastian, Koo. yeah, yeah, Sebastian Koo. He says. He, he's been watching Kirkus lately, and he has been getting much more involved. I, I would say Kirkus, if I were to get a Bournemouth defender, it would likely be Kirkus. And he's great uh, in home games against poor opposition. But like, but could be could could have hall hall potential as Hidaola develops his system more and more. Bournemouth's defense is getting better, and Neto is really showing to be a, a quality goalkeeper. Okay, cool. Um, I just looked at the last four. Uh, in fact. Since game week eight, so at home, Bournemouth are one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh best 
1.03 expected goals considered. That's at home, just to give you a bit more context. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the the clearly better than I, I never noticed it. But saying that, that's hardly surprising because I'm hardly yeah. watching it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, let's keep going. Um, it's good to get those questions out of the way. Oh, Sinead is on four yellows, right? Okay, along with yeah, most of my team. The, I, I they're the ones who aren't me. flagged by. They're the ones who aren't flagged by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he's one of those players that are generally a big overreaction because he scored in two straight game weeks those sort of runs aren't going to continue yeah, yeah. their hot streaks very short term aren't they um, yeah. absolutely yeah. Okay. so let's keep going guys Chelsea against Sheffield United should be a cricket score game the Sheffield United um, didn't Chris <laughs> <laughs> oh no don't, yeah, don't I, get me going don't get me going keep <laughs> So I don't know. Game. I don't know what I don't know what cricket score means because. Um, All right I, then. First I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I, was, I was surprised. To I see. don't know what what game is it there. I have no idea. What weird Soccer. games do you play with big gloves? Soccer ball. Um, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> Chelsea. This this one surprised me because I, I I even against Sheffield United, right? I, I didn't expect Chelsea's net xG to be so high. 2.07 net XG, Sheffield United 1.18. Again, the, the myth of the FPL clean sheet continues. Net XG agrees with that 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 is a myth. Um, I guess I guess what's really kind of like propping Chelsea up here is uh, Cole Palmer on the right hand side. We see the right uh, zonal matchup at 4.1. Um, but and when I went and looked into the stats a little bit, um, I saw a couple of things. Um, Sheffield United averaging over three big chances conceded um, per match away. And Chelsea have the fifth fifth most big chances at home. So the big chance matchup is really favorable for Chelsea. Um, then you have to ask yourself, who who do the big chances fall for in Chelsea? And we can talk about that after we uh, we look over your stats there. <laughs> oh, we, can have a, we can have some fun with this one. I've got a funny feeling. Anyway, um, 3.8 for Chelsea's fixed difficulty. Uh, equal third this week behind Liverpool and Newcastle. Um, Chelsea's very green. XG2, 3.2 big chances, 6.3 shots on target, 10.4 shots in the box. You know, <clears throat> I did watch the Chelsea game as a, as a Palmer owner. I'm, I'm sorry he's going to get injured this week, almost definitely, or are suspended because I own him now. So anyway, that's the common denominator these days. I bring a player in, they get crocked or suspended. So um, apologies in advance, anybody who's brought him in as well. But he, he did look to me a real bright spark. He was running that. He was really running that from the, just with my eye test. My eye test not as good as yours, Gabe, but to me, he was running it. Um you know, that right-hand side also lights up a bit for Chelsea as well. Um, it really does look good for Palmer. I'm pleased I own him. Um, the question is, who else would you own if you, if, you, if you were looking at other Chelsea assets? Because their fixtures are starting to turn. And I think we'll see that in, in the data later on. The trouble is, it's Chelsea. Um, what's, your, what's your view? First of all, um, come on, Gabe, I'll put you back onto your... Matchups, and then I'll go to Craig to to respond this time. Yeah, one thing I want to mention is um, Lucy, an FPL teacher, mentioned on the review show a couple of days ago that what one thing Palmer does is he, he plays really accurate and nicely weighted through balls for players to run onto, and then players run onto it, and then there's like a cross towards the center, and then the shot. So the risk with Palmer assist. is is that he assists the assist. 
Um, and, and he can break, and he can break through space on his own and create shots on his own. So there's, 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 he's definitely a good pick, definitely worth, you know, um, a, a, a value pick, but, but there, he doesn't come without risk and, and no pick under 6 million comes without risk. Right. Um, what I, what I, what I would like to see is, you know, Lucien mentioned that, um, that Mudrick could, is, is kind of like, he's great running into space when he doesn't have much to think about. And he could kind of, he could find that space on the left-hand side, attacking Sheffield United's right, um, where, uh, Baldock went down, even though Bogle did have a decent game last match, um, um, that I think that's that's the place to attack Sheffield United. So um, I, whatever chance is created from the right, I, I believe will likely be created for the left hand side, where where there's a kind of a, a a little bit of a hole there. How do you see it, Craig? Um, well, I've got Sterling and Palmer. I got Sterling in last week as mm. my Embuemo replacement. So I've I've got both mm. of those two um, for this run. I took a punt. I didn't know who I wanted from Embuemo. There was five or six options. Bowen was another one. I could have got Gordon. I could have got. But I, I took a punt on Sterling for the fixtures. Um, I think a lot. Two things for this particular game. Obviously, Reese James is injured again. So <laughs> who are Chelsea got to play right back? Because. I think one of the good things about Palmer playing off the right, coming inside on his left foot into a central position is that the player that gets around him on that overload. And at the moment, obviously, Reese James is the ideal player to do that. But I think Gusto's still unavailable as far as I'm aware. I think Kukurea is struggling as well. He's been used as a, an attacking right back, despite being left footed sometimes. So I'm not sure who their right back's going to be. Maybe they'll have to play De Sassi or something as a right back, but he's not going to get forward in the same way and then play someone like Badia Chile and Silva or something at centre back. So I think that blunts Palmer a little bit if he hasn't got that sort of option getting around the outside of him, um, which would worry me a little bit. And Chelsea's general problem to me is that they've, they've got too many players in the attacking third and not enough players to help build the play up. So they play like a 3-1-6 structure. So Caicedo gets a bit isolated and doesn't have a second player around him to help sort of build the play. So the passing distances always feel very, very far for him to then play into the attacker. And Gallagher and Enzo both tend to play quite high. There's a reason a lot of teams play 3-2-5 and not 3-1-6 because you need that second build-up player. Um, and Chelsea, I, I, I think, is still working on that and still trying to find the solution to that. And hence why they're struggling to to maybe score as many goals as the data maybe promises because they don't... They, they struggle to progress the ball up the pitch. You'd hope in this game it should be OK because Sheffield United aren't the, obviously aren't the best. So I, I wouldn't be desperately trying to get a Chelsea player in here. I took a punt on Sterling, but it was a punt without any sort of serious, clear upside to it. Until I see who plays right back with James out and until I see a change to the way they build up play, Man United have got a similar problem. We'll probably get to that later in the Liverpool game. I think the two of them are very similar with the issues they've got in the middle of the pitch at the minute. I think it's quite hard to trust Chelsea game to game that things are going to go well for them because the way they play could go well if that build-up does work, but it's it's not very uh, reliable, shall we say. So I think they're a hard buy at the moment, Chelsea, for that reason. So do you feel you've made a mistake with um, Sterling then? Um, not so much a mistake because there was other reasons I didn't want to get Bowen and Gordon. So I think everyone that I was looking at came with pros and cons and Sterling had the potential to get hat-tricks and say Chelsea get mm -hmm. it all right and it clicks. I think this is the sort of game they could win 5 or 6 nil if it goes well for yeah. them. But equally... I say over a run of five or six weeks, they're going to get a lot more misses than hits, I think, the way they're playing right now. But you live for that well, big hit. 
little devil on my shoulder likes Sterling this week, oddly enough. Um, I, I, you know, I have thought about it. I, I did think about Sterling, but then I saw him on the bench. And then I was thinking that was maybe spooked me a tiny bit, but maybe that means just you know maybe that means that's his rest that he's going to get a, he's going to play this weekend. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, interesting. Gabe, anything else on this one before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I, I, Sterling could could pan out in this, in this fixture, but but I think in I think going more than Palmer going in other than Palmer going in on Chelsea, I, I think is is just madness. So that they've they're they're completely dysfunctional. <laughs> They they barely create. When they do create, they don't finish. The the, the Pochettino is is a disaster. Um, they're still not playing as a team. Um, they want to spend more, go above their billion pounds. The, I mean, this is it's they're a hard avoid for me. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I would not buy in any Chelsea players. If you own Sterling, great pick. Uh, not Sterling, sorry, Palmer, great pick. But to, yeah, I, I haven't seen anything from Chelsea that would make me want to invest in them. Especially not Cole Monster, the goalkeeper. Cole's saying, wasn't Gusto back in training this week? I hope so, because I still own him. I haven't been able to get rid of him yet. That might actually <laughs> serve me. <laughs> that might actually serve me a problem. <laughs> Watch him haul for you. I've had that many problems. He's been sat there rotting for weeks. <laughs> Anyway, enough said. Uh, Manchester City against Crystal Palace, Gabe. Uh, Manchester City, Crystal Palace. I mean, stats are obvious, right? It's all green for Man City. It's all red for Palace. You know, the, the big question is, will Erling Haaland start? Um, obviously, nobody knows at this point. I've already, I've already sold. Um, so I'm, I'm betting on that he doesn't start. And I could I could be completely mistaken if and if I am you know I'll, I'll get punished for that decision. Fair enough. I, I don't care. I'm not checking rank anyway. Um, but <laughs> um, what what I will say, um, Lucien brought up a great point. I I I, t- I target kind of Joel Ward on a weekly basis, and Liverpool playing against Crystal Palace last week kind of showed us or, or Lucien pointed out something that um, that Palace did. And if you see the, the third image from left to right, um, it shows Palace's formation before, or like average positions before the substitutes were made. And, and even after the substitutes, you can see that it's kind of like a back, a straight line of three, right? You have uh, Mitchell on the left um, and then Gay and Anderson centrally. And then Joel Ward is always further forward. And the reason for this is because they don't want Joel, Joel Ward in 1v1 situations in and, in and near the box. <laughs> Makes sense. That's smart. Good, good job, Roy. Um, but I, I sounds think like Doku, my Doku. sounds like my Sunday League football team from about nineteen ninety four. I didn't realise that. Is that true? Last week, I think they played Nathaniel Kleinleft back last week um, against against Liverpool. <laughs> they still rather keep the fact they still rather keep Nathaniel Klein in the back line rather than Joel Ward. That's a, oh that's seventeen. Was that Klein? Was that Klein? Yeah, might, I think I'm pretty sure he played left back last week. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. But that's fine. And and they they still kept him back there because <laughs> the same, yeah. different player, same outcome. The, the thing is, it worked, right? Luis Diaz engaged with Ward further, like deeper from from Luis Diaz's perspective, further up the field from uh, Joel Ward's perspective. So I I just think that uh, Manchester City, the way they play, is they will have Palace pinned back a little bit deeper, especially Palace being away from home. And I think Doku will get Joel Ward one v one in and around the box, and, and could create something there. Um, 
So that that's something to keep an eye out. I don't know if anybody owns Doku at, at this point. Is he? Isn't he flat? He was. He hasn't been he available flat, for the last two or three games. I think he was flagged. Yeah, I don't know if he's back. Okay. I think I've got him. To, I think I've got him at fifty percent on my uh, metric. Um, on my oh, side, no, he's, things, already, he's ruled out. He's ruled out. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I thought he was. Um, and, Grealish, I don't, but, and I don't think um, Grealish. Grealish doesn't offer the same thing because Grealish likes to cut inside and and do like a horizontal dribble. So he won't be pushing Joel Ward back. So that left hand left sided matchup goes away without Doku. And it accentuates the right side. So that, that could be a benefit for Foden. Okay. Um, the fixture difficulty is not as good. Uh, but it never is for Manchester City at home, is it? We've seen this time and time again this season, Gabe. Manchester City's data is not as good at home as it is away from home. Still 2.1. It's actually 1.7 for defence as well. But I don't think any of us have... I think we've all given up with the defence, quite frankly. 3.9 on the left for zonals. And even the, you know, the XG is only 1.7, 2.6 big chances. <laughs> Three goals. Um, enough said. Shots on target, five. Shots in the box, ten. Data's not terrible for them, uh, Craig, but it's not really tearing any massive trees up. Still suggests a relatively uh, comfortable win, I'd guess, but I don't know about a thrashing. What's your perspective? Yeah, I can't see a thrashing either. They're very short of attacking bodies at the moment. I don't know who they're going to play. I, I, I'm on the assumption Haaland isn't playing. Um, so if he's if he's out, Alvarez is up front, as they know Doku either. So Foden, does he play as the 10 or does he play off the right? Does he play behind Alvarez or is he still on the right? Does Bernardo have to get used out on the right because they've got no one else? Will they give Oscar Bob, who is a left-footed, right-sided player, will they give him a start here? He's not playing in Europe tonight, I don't think. So um, I'd quite like to see Bernardo go over. I think Man City have been at their best when Bernardo plays as a left-sided eight and then can link up and sort of interchange positions a bit with Grealish. And they, they cause Man United particularly problems in doing that. So... It'd be nice if we can get Bernardo in that role, but I think just because the squad's so depleted at the minute, they've got to be forced to use a Nunes or to use a Kovacic probably in central midfield with Rodri. So I think the team's just generally struggling right now. They don't have enough pace. They don't have enough sort of anyone that can beat someone 1v1. It's all it's all well and good keeping possession and playing all this nice football and being hard to dispossess all these players that are really press resistant and keep the ball really well. But someone's got to be able to unlock the defence, right? And they've got no one... Grealish is a good dribbler, Foden's a good dribbler, but you wouldn't trust them to beat a player 1v1 and to sort of make something happen like, like Doku can. So I think the team is just a little bit easy to defend against at the moment because they've not got anyone to do anything that little bit different. So you're relying on a bit of individual brilliance or one really good through pass or one great interchange of play or something. So yeah, I agree, Men City scoring two feels at the top end for me in this game. Palace know what to do defensively to be, to be difficult to beat. Feels like a one 0 game to me. If I'm being honest, to Man City, I wouldn't be surprised. I've got, I've still got Haaland and Alvarez, so um, they're my two strikers. So Haaland will go, um, and I'll, I'll obviously happy play Alvarez, but I've not got the highest expectations from him. I think, yeah, I think one 0 Yeah, uh, Connor's uh, said that. Uh, was it Bob's playing in Europe? Foden will be benched. He'll play against Foden's benched. He'll play against Palace. So. Uh, there's an option. Anything else on this one, Gabe? Or should we just keep going? I mean, we can talk about. Uh, I mean, Harland. Uh, I mean, Harland. You've sold him, uh, Craig. You're selling him. I will yeah. sell him as well. Um, but I think that's a cl- that's a full house for us. We're all selling him. Um, and uh, and yeah, uh, not a lot else to say on this one unless you've got anything. Here. You you muted. I think, mate. I don't know what's happened there. 
Yeah, so, sorry, because I, I was typing. Um, I, I don't see this as a 1-0 for City. Um, honestly, I, 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 see, I, th I do think City dominate this one, and I think Foden is, is that kind of like the, the, the center of it. And rather than beating players 1v1, one, one one, it'll, be, it'll be balls into space with Foden and Alvarez running behind. Okay. All right. Cool. Let's keep going. Newcastle against Fulham. <laughs> right. Uh, I think, Gabe, your colours are mixed up. I think it should be the other way around. I think it should be the other way around, but I'll let you explain the net XGs at this moment in time. Um, and that's, that's you know, I, I think that'll be the common perspective, Mariner, and, and the yeah. term for that is recency bias. Because, exactly. because, of Fulham's exactly. two recent, because of Fulham's two recent home matches, which they won, obviously, resoundingly, <laughs> yes. and now they're away. So we're back to, we're yes. back to that theme of this game week. It's... Um, you know, uh, good teams. You know, just the home and away difference between between teams. And then Newcastle on the flip side have just played two tough and poor away games. So people are looking at them unfavorably, and so they they look at these stats and they wonder how can it be this way. Um, so that's why I wrote the home away effect is strong in this encounter. Um, in the last six home games, Newcastle um, have only 13 shots on target conceded. Um, 3.95 expected goals conceded non-penalty and one goal conceded in the la their last six home games. Um, oh, no, sorry. Sorry. Uh, away, they have 37 shots on target conceded, 11, over 11 XG non-penalty conceded, and 13 goals conceded. So they're just different animals home and away. Um, but they are, they are a tired team that, that finds strength playing at home. Um, Newcastle center and, and right kind of pop up in this one, which is interesting because Anthony Gordon being on the left-hand side, um, uh, <laughs> yeah. looks like, how, how is that going to play out? And I, and, I, and I forgot to change these images here. So apologies for that. <laughs> I was working until this morning. No, before the look, show. There wouldn't be, a, there wouldn't be a week without a, some dodgy slide or some balls up somewhere. This is, that was the reason why we I, win what? Exactly. I finished these slides like 20 minutes before the show started, so <laughs> sorry about that. We can just uh, pretend it's Kieran Trippier playing further forward than the rest of the defensive line. We can, yeah, we can pretend. Yeah, I think, I think Lord is Kieran Nick, Trippier. Ignatius makes a good point. Before I put my stuff up, Newcastle without Trippier, where will they create? I think I'm going to put the data up from my side of things. Mm -hmm. And of course, this is data with Trippier. Newcastle's four. 0.0 fixture difficulty 3.7 defensively i mean you know it really does look very good for a clean sheet for newcastle this week under normal circumstances um like you said left and uh, sorry left is dreadful for newcastle 1.8 gate four and 3.9 center right xg 1.9 big chances 3.3 but again who's creating those big chances players like kira drippier 5.6 shots in the, uh shots on target uh, 9.4 shots in the box they're not that great um although shots on target is it's this is a funny one to call i have to say <clears throat> it would be a complete no-brainer to play to, to expect returns from Trippier under normal circumstances, but he's suspended. You would think Gordon would get something. It doesn't suggest it. I'll tell you what it does suggest. It suggests do not even, it makes the data suggest do not bring anyone from Fulham in. You are just chasing, you are just chasing points. I wouldn't do it this week. But that said, Newcastle are 
completely knackered. It's like the knackers yard, man. That 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 all knackered. Uh, Craig, what's your perspective? Um, I'd like it to be a watching brief. I'm really interested how Livermento plays here. I assume he's going to play as the right back, and will he be tasked with attacking the same way Trippier does, or will he? I don't think he's he's obviously a more pacey, a more direct carrier of the ball than what Trippier is. He basically gets it and plays more like an old school David Beckham, gets it out of his feet and puts a cross in from wherever he is on the pitch, right? It could be deeper positions up by the, the touchline. He's, his goal is to put crosses in. Livermento is a bit different to that. So it'll be a, an unusual watch from a, a Newcastle perspective to see them attacking a different way. So I haven't got enough evidence or thought to know how that's going to work. Newcastle, I think, have got a lot of functional midfielders without anyone overly creative, the likes of Joe Linton, Miley, even Bruno Gamares. They're all... The game's based around fast press and tempo, isn't it? Which is probably why they're struggling so much lately because they're so tired that the, the whole sort of structure of their attack and defence is, is brought down because they just haven't got the, the capabilities of living up to that tempo. So Newcastle long-term, I don't think, will get better until they learn to be better with the ball. Um, this might be quite a good good sign to see how they can do that. Fulham are a team that tend to be quite direct. So I don't think Fulham will give Newcastle easy ball high up the pitch. If Newcastle are going to look to press high and win the ball back high up and take advantage of those situations, Fulham won't make that easy. So and they'll look I guess they'll look quite direct into to Raul Jimenez to try and get them up the pitch in, in that way. Um I, I've got Lascelles here and at say normal circumstances, three, four weeks ago, I'd have been quite happy to play him in this game and would have definitely been picking him. But based on how Newcastle have been, I agree with Gabe, they've been away. And there is a significant difference between home and away. Um, but the way Fulham have suddenly turned the corner in terms of scoring goals and how bad Newcastle have been, I'm not actually sure I want to play um, Lascelles in this game now. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't like sitting on the fence like this with no real opinion, but there's just too many unknowns here for me. Um, and it's really hard to make a, a clear sort of opinion when, when it's in that situation. Um, I don't know if you've got any strong thoughts about the cells, either of you, so whether you'd play him in this. I think they'll concede. <laughs> I actually think they'll concede. That's my perspective. I, I'm not too worried about having my Newcastle defender suspended this week. Let's put it that way. Uh, that said, I don't think many people own any other Newcastle defenders apart from Lascelles. And obviously, no one. There's a few people obviously on Debravka, but is it? Apparently, he's playing tonight, uh, starting as well, so he's fit. So um, that's the only sort of concern I've got is probably Dubravka. But uh, realistically, I have to say, I think they'll probably concede. Fulham, have, they're not necessarily going to do too much, but I've got a good feeling they might get something. They might get one. What's your thought, Gabe? Uh, yeah, I agree with both of you. I agree with Teacher here as well, who says Robinson and William running at Trippier's replacement, which he clarified later, is something to look forward to after Son did uh, what he did last last game week. And I, and I think that's right in this one. Um, Livermanto doesn't have the delivery Trippier has, of, of course, so he'll be sent probably to run to, to run behind behind Fulham. But I think what Marco Silva does here is, is press. He presses a, a leggy Newcastle team, as Andy Martin mentioned, that Newcastle, they are leggy. So just, just make them run and run them into the ground. I think um, Fulham will, will bide their time to, to try to kind of rack up some goals at, towards the end of this game. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think Newcastle concede. Um, and let, let's not forget about uh, Fabian Scher's creativity from deep, from deep areas. I think, I think it could be maybe more direct balls or balls into the corner to Libermanto. Uh, from Fabian Scher. 
Okay. All right. So uh, anyway, there's. Uh, let's keep going. There is a question, uh, a goalkeeper question, but we'll save that for later, Nick. Um, we'll come back to that one. Burnley against Everton. The Sean Dyke Derby. Dyke <laughs> <laughs> Derby. Right. Um, Gabe, where are we going with this one? Um, 1.78 net XG for Everton, 1.39 for Burnley. Um, Burnley's left and right, the uh, zonals kind of light up, with which I thought uh, was surprising. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I, a lot. There's a lot of talk about Dukure. He's been doing really well recently, but he's got he's got the African Cup of Nations coming up. So so there's no investment in him. I just, I mean that there's uh, there's an opportunity for McNeil here. Um, you, you can see in the heat maps there um, that uh, McNeil can get in. Like Vitinha plays really high up the field. If we look at Burnley, that's number 22 there in that first uh, average position map. So you know, Burnley, uh, uh, sorry, McNeil could could get in behind there. So there are opportunities for these players, but uh, but I wouldn't recommend it. I guess any investment here. Um, some I know um, Alex Boyo or Volo on on tr Twitter owns Mikolenko. Um, Mikolenko could be an interesting start here. My numbers don't suggest it. Um, don't like Everton away. Um, never like Everton away, quite frankly. But doesn't like them. Look at the look at the data. Fixed difficulty minus 0.6. Burnley very slightly positive for attack at 0.1. Uh, Burnley left and right, as you said. Burnley shots in the box 9.7. But look how red the rest of it is. So they can shoot, but they can't get they can't shoot on target. Um, Everton, um, nothing really. Maybe a little bit of a central matchup. That's all. Um, XGs matchups low. Big chances two, 3.6 shots on target. Six shots in the box. There's not much there for me, Gib. Uh, Craig, what do you think? I'm not. I'm not keen. I don't think I'll be bringing any Everton players in this week. That's me. I won't be bringing them in, but I, I like it as a matchup for them. I think for two reasons. One, this game reminds me of Brighton Everton from last season. Everton won that game five one. I don't know if you remember. They absolutely battered them in the first half on the counter attack with Brighton trying to play the way they play. I'm not saying Burnley completely repeat how Brighton play, but there's similarities. And Sean Dyche, I still think he's very underrated tactically on how to sort of manipulate these situations and use it to his advantage. So you've got that, that there's enough. That I think he'll sit back and, and look to hit on the break. And I think I agree with Gabe that McNeil, I think, is probably the outlet for them down the left if they try and push Fatinia on. Uh, second thing is I, I don't particularly like Burnley with their centre-backs in terms of physicality. And when you're playing against Calvert-Lewin, Everton are going to play quite direct, I think, into him, especially on the counter-attack. I think he'll manhandle the two Burnley centre-backs and you've got Decore who's obviously quite a, a big physical guy as well in the sort of the second phase of the, the attack I think they'll, the Burnley centre-backs will struggle to deal with that sort of power and physicality so I think Everton have got two nice ways to attack in this fixture that with long balls into Calvert-Lewin to get them up the pitch and then probably spacing behind the right back for McNeil to, to hit on the counter-attack so I think Everton will get a couple of high, high sort of XG chances in this game obviously can't be relied upon to take them in quite a lot of games, their conversion rate is pretty poor. But I, w I wouldn't be surprised if they won this sort of 3-1 or something like that, Everton, this game. Okay, okay. Gabe, anything else? Nope. Okay. Arsenal against Brighton then, chaps. Uh, mm. Gabe, over to you again. 
Arsenal 2.12, NetXG, Brighton 1.15. Again, uh, goals for both sides um, predicted here. Um, one thing that, that I, I thought has been interesting, and, and I wrote here that, you know, we, we talked about last week that how Odegaard dropping deeper and helping progress the ball has gotten him into more attacking areas and has gotten him more shots recently. Um, what we didn't mention last week that um, that I, Lucien mentioned a couple of days ago was that it, when Saka gets the ball now, he's isolated. And when he first gets the ball, he doesn't have Odegaard as, as a quick outlet there. Um, so that's that's kind of a, I, I think that dampens Saka's potential a little bit. That being said, I, I think in this match, it's a, the the matchup for for Saka in particular is is just it's too good. Um, Brighton playing with replacement options at both left back and right back. Um, I don't I don't know, Craig. Do you have any I, any kind of inclination of who will play left back and right back? Will it be Milner up against Saka? I imagine Gross will play left back. I would think. And and then, so so if Gross moves to to left back, then that. That hurts, I think, Brighton's um, potential for for creativity um, because Gross is going to have to sit there. He won't be able to get forward um, because the the two center mids aren't. Let's just say they're not nuanced enough to know when to drop into that spot if if Gross pushes forward. Um, so so I think what happens on that side of the field is going to be really interesting. And I think most of the play will be on Arsenal's right side of the field until kind of towards like in the second half. When when the left will start opening up and, and after Brighton shift a little bit, from Brighton's perspective, I, I think Brighton could beat Arsenal's initial line of pressure, um, but I, I think they'll struggle. They'll struggle to get past their their back five, back six. Um, so so it could fizzle out there. I like Brighton's right though. I like um, because uh, Tomiyasu's out and it'll be Zinchenko in there. And Zinchenko may have a tendency to invert or push forward. And if he does, I think I think Adingra could uh, could get something for Brighton here. I do think Brighton score. I've got a question for you here. It's quite relevant for me because this is probably one of my dilemmas this week. Son Osaka, if you were to bring one in, who would you go for this week? And I'm, I can't own both, by the way. I'm not going to be able to own both. So um, if, if you were to pick one, uh, Craig, who would it be? For this week, I would go Saka, no, but I think, right, yeah, and 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 he's obviously safer because he's not going to the Asia Cup, so I, yeah. I, I'd probably go for that. But in general, I think Sun's a better asset than Saka in FPL overall. I'll actually go as far as say Sun's the best value and most important player in the game, I think. But and he's got a better game next week, obviously that Tottenham have got Everton, I think, when Saka's got Liverpool. But on on the whole, I think for this run and where we are in the season, what's upcoming, I'd probably go Saka. I think, yeah, okay. Okay, um, Gabe. Any any other perspectives on this one? What's 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 your view here? Um, just just to highlight, like it, since this since the uh, the matchup is so good for Saka, I think it's equally good for Martin Odegaard. So um, I I think he could easily get something, especially if um, you know if it's like uh, Dawood and Hinshelwood in center mid or something like that. Um, I I think um, I think yeah, good possibility for Odegaard to get something. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. And Arsenal defensively, uh, Gabe, I quite like it um, this week, particularly. I think Brighton, the, you know, a sea of red again. I'll just put it back up again on the screen. A sea of red for Brighton away from home. That is very different to what we've seen in the past. Brighton in the past away from home, their numbers have been pretty good 
over the you know over the last season or so i would say um certainly not you know certainly not like this yes okay it is arsenal at home they are quite tight but i think this paints a bit of a story as well i think this this tells a story i think arsenal defense actually i really quite like this week as well i don't know if you've got any views i think that's my clean sheet pick that's probably my clean sheet uh Prediction for I, the I week, think they'll actually, play more direct here, Arsenal. I'm, I'm going to do a solo pod on this. So I won't go into massive detail about it now. But I think Arsenal play yeah. more direct here because Brighton press man for man. And Arsenal can sometimes struggle to play through that. But with Havertz in the team, I think one of the reasons they bought him is because you can go over the press now. And Raya, obviously, right. at Brentford used to play quite direct. So I wouldn't be surprised in this game if they try and get Raya playing long over Belaber, over Hinchelwood, over the who they're all quite diminutive smaller midfielders i think havertz will have a sort of a size advantage he can go over the press into havertz and then build from there and i think there's sort of an improving relationship lately between havertz and particularly with saka you've seen obviously the goal against brentford came with a deep cross with havertz attacking the back post against villa um havertz bundled it in at the back post with matt cash it was disallowed for handball but that that cross came in from from the right side so i think there's a I think they're learning. He's probably the best way to put it, Arsenal, of how to get the most out of Havertz. And he's learning how to sort of develop into the role that's being asked of him. And I say in this particular fixture, because Brighton press the way they do and they've got small players, I think he's going to have quite a pivotal role in this game because he'll get Arsenal into the final third a lot easier with, with more direct play, I think. And then they can move it out to Odegaard to Saka, maybe put a cross in from the right half space um, towards Havertz attacking the back post. Um, and then maybe they'll get some joy that way. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's... I don't know about from an FPL perspective, Kai Havertz, but in terms of generally how the game's going to develop, I think he's going to be the most important player for us to win this. And uh, Andy say both teams to score all all season, Brighton. Um, there's a bit of feedback somewhere coming through from somebody. I'm not sure who I'm hearing. Uh, but yeah, um, both teams to score all season since game week one. For Brighton, so maybe there will be a clean sheet. Anyway, there we go. That's there's one. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Mariner. Right. Okay. Um, next. <laughs> next one. Um, Brenton. Brent. Brenton. Brent, what the hell am I saying? Brentford. God, it's getting late across here in Dubai. I could probably do with a beer. Uh, Brentford against Aston Villa. Okay. You're going FML FPL and calling them Brentham. Uh, Brentford versus Aston <laughs> <versus laughs> Villa. It's like the old football games used to get on play on 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 computer games in the UK. They used to mix up all the team names and the players. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Because they didn't have the rights to use it. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like something you'd get on one of those games. Manpool, things like that. So Brentford, one point seven two net xg compared to Villa, one point one four. Again, we could we could say that the the stats are reversed in this one given recent performances, right? But um, again, it's a, it's another home away kind of differentiation here. Um, also, this is this is a data with Mbomo, and, exactly. and 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 that's that's a big that's a massive qualifier here. Even even though the right zonal isn't isn't popping for for Brentford here, um, what I will say is you know so Thomas Frank is is a is a tactician who has. He, he's dealt with major injuries this season several times, right? There was, well, injuries and suspensions, right? No, Tony, he had to deal with that, change the system. And the, the loss of Henry was massive, and it took them several game weeks to, to deal with that loss. 
Um, so they're, they're slow in recovering from something like this. And I think they're going to continue to be kind of slow. So I, I really am not buying the 1.72 net XG. I'd put it down closer to Villas. Um, just for to illustrate here, I have Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins, like, so this... I like this. I like this matchup for Ollie Watkins, but but what's happened away is we see him in the heat maps there, the two heat maps there on the right. How how he's dropped deeper in away matches, and his influence is actually more outside of the box than in the box. In home matches, his influence is more in the box than outside the box. So um, I don't know that this that necessarily pans out the same way in this one because of Brentford's. Um, because of their recent frailties, the fact that they're having the change, the fact that they're playing Malpay up front. Um, so they, they got a lot going on, and I, and I do think Ollie Watkins kind of takes advantage of that. But if I'm being perfectly honest, I, I prefer the, uh, the wider players. I think Alex Moreno will be tasked to get really far forward, and we'll see him in the box quite a bit. Um, and I like Leon Bailey on the right-hand side as well. Um, and then the, the other kind of wrinkle is um, Jacob Ramsey will likely start um, in midfield in this one because Douglas Luis, Luis is out, right? Yeah, suspended. So, so Yeah, suspended. So I, I don't know, Craig, you were talking about this, and obviously you're a Villa fan, so you, you might know better than I do. Would, it, would that be McGinn sliding in there and then Jacob Ramsley in front or what? Yeah, I th- I, you've got a couple of options. One is to move Tiedemans back. He's been playing more as a 10 the last couple of game weeks, and you can push him back into more of a number eight role, taking over from Luis, and then you can then... If you did that, you could probably put Diaby in as the second striker in the number 10 role. I'm not convinced, especially against Brentford's physicality and size. I don't know if they're going to want to play Diaby and Bailey at the same time. It doesn't feel like it's the sort of thing Villa would do to play to play both of them. Sorry, sorry, Chris. Yeah, that, that could happen. It, it's plausible that could happen. But I, I think the more two natural... points, I was saying, two points, two points. <laughs> I, I do think the more natural move, though, is to move McGinn in field. He's been playing on the left the last couple of weeks. Um, Ramsey played on the left most of last season before he obviously got injured over the summer. So I, I think, based on how t- the Tielemans and the, and Bailey sort of partnership is working at the moment, with Bailey on the right, Tielemans as the ten, I don't think Villa will want to change that. So I think the, the more obvious move is to move McGinn inside and start Ramsey um, and leave Bailey and not, and say, especially in this fixture, not play not play Bailey and the RB together because they're obviously both very similar left footed, want to play off the right, both quite small. Um, they are quite different in the way they carry the ball and they create, but in some ways they're very similar as well. So hmm. um, I think they'll do that. And I, I, for those that have got Matt Cash, I don't think he'll play because, again, Brentford's size, I think we'll, we'll stick to the three bigger out-and-out defenders in Conza, Carlos and, and Torres and then play Moreno because Dinier's obviously got five yellows as well, so he's suspended. So that's my prediction, but it is a prediction, not a, obviously a known and we've got Conference League tomorrow, obviously, which might give us some clues around who might yeah. play. I think I'll wait for that. But if <laughs> if the Abbey starts and Bailey's, and Bailey's benched, then uh, I'll tell you what, I think I'm going to flog him. I think I'm going to have to because I've got too many other problems. I'm just going to have to just get rid. I think I'd just take my medicine and move on. Um, my matchups, again, and Bumo, 3.4. Take him out. Goodness knows what Brentford's attack's going to be like. Um, more pie, right? Minus two, probably. Drops it miles down, probably, I guess. Aston Villa's FDR is really not that good, Gabe. And I agree with you. Um, shots on target, very low look. 3.6 um, in comparison to to a lot of these matchups this week. XG matchup for Villa's only 1.3. 
against 1.8 for Brentford, but we obviously know that. Uh, and like you say, Villa's right. Uh, not a lot else to say there. I think this is a, I mean, from my perspective, Villa are a completely different beast at home to away. Completely mm-hmm. different beast. Um, and Brentford have the ability to keep this quiet. Keep keep them a bit quieter. When they keep them quiet all along, like Lucian wants, remains to be seen. And I have to say, um, Haaland's going, and I think I know who's coming in. I think it's Watkins, and I think so. I'm going to back him to get something. Um, and and I just think he's just a very very solid pick going forward. So I'm quite happy to to own Ollie Watkins. We haven't um, seen anything this else on that away yet, by the way. We haven't seen Tielemans as a ten with Bailey right. on the right. Bailey, that's a new thing in the last two home games. So again, it may right. not work. The home way, the home and away correlation may continue, but it's an unknown to, to factor into the data that Villa have been set up okay. a little bit differently the last couple of weeks. This is exactly what it is, and just at this point, we're an hour in, or just over an hour in, and uh, I think for anybody who's new to this, and probably. You know, or anyone's new to listening to it, you've got to remember that data is data. The context is context. You've got to put the context to this data. That is the most important thing here. And you make a great point. You're going to see something new. We're seeing there's so many, so many times we look at this data and then we go, however, but he's missing, mm-hmm. he's suspended, he's out, he's injured, he's he's knackered, they're knackered. You know, you've got to look at all these sort of things. So if you like what you're hearing, guys, or watching, um, please hit the like uh, button because we haven't asked for likes yet. If you haven't hit the like, please do. Uh, if you really like us, subscribe. If you really, really like us, you could become a hauler and get all this uh, data and everything three days early this week, Gabe, wasn't it? I think we did it on Monday this week. Mm-hmm. Everything was in Discord. Um, so, yes. Anyway, uh, I could, like I said, uh, hit that like button for us. I'd really, really appreciate it. Um, all right. I think we've got a couple more to go. West Ham Wolves. <laughs> certainly one form team, not West Ham. All of a sudden, they seem to have got more holes than the average teabag, uh, Gabe. Um, but they are at home now. So maybe not quite such a problem against Wolves, who generally speaking are not great away. What's the, uh, what's the scores on the doors for this one, mate? We got West Ham's right-sided zonal lighting up at 4.2. The net XG is 1.75 compared to Wolves, 1.42. Um, it's the, What I wrote here is West Ham seem good because of Wolves' recent away form. Uh, they've conceded almost 10 shots in the box per 90 and five shots on target in, in the last six away games. Um, and one thing I found in, in just kind of like reviewing West Ham here is, is Jared Bowen's um, positioning and influence and, and, and all of that. And, you know, he is playing the nine, so and he's getting his shooting opportunities from the areas where a nine would normally play. But he's also moving to the right, uh, to the right side. And on the right, he's passing. So he does his passing on the right and his shooting from central. And, and, I, and when he goes to the right, Kudus is supposed to come inside, but Kudus is not a nine by any stretch of the imagination. So, so I mean, West Ham, in short, they're, they're quite dysfunctional in – as a team, they have uh, an un, let's just say an uncreative uh, manager, and they're up against Gary O'Neill's Wolves side. Who, sure, they they've struggled in in recent away games, but tactically speaking, are just way better set up. And and even just player for player, Wolves have have a better roster. So I'm, I would go against the data in this one and favor Wolves. Although I I do see 
do see something potentially for for since the data is so strongly favors uh, West Ham's attack. I do see something for potentially for uh, for Jared Bowen here. From Wolves' perspective, um, if if we notice the kind of the the chances created and and the shots for Wolves and those those two heat maps, uh, Craig mentioned earlier how Cunha kind of drifts to the left side. Um, and then and Huang will will kind of be on that the right side, but they'll both be forward. So I do see the creativity coming from Cunha. I think Cunha could assist a, a Huang goal against West Ham. Fair enough, uh, Craig. What's your perspective on this one? Do you own any, by the way? Do you own any West Ham or Wolves? No, uh, no, nothing in this fixture. I don't intend to either. There's a good reason I don't own from either of these two teams. Um, we haven't seen West Ham play against the back three very often. I think the only time from memory I remember them doing it is against Sheffield United. They won the game 2-0 and Ward Prowse was quite influential in that game. Uh, I think he played as more of a number 10 behind... I don't even think he was up front. And they might, I think Bowen was on the right um, in that game. But it worries me the way West Ham play. They don't commit loads of people forward. And if they're playing against the back three, are they going to get enough bodies forward to sort of disrupt the Wolves' defence? Will Wolves have it quite easy defending a back three? They've got good aerial defenders that can cope with Suchek if he's trying to arrive late in the box and things like that. I think West Ham might just struggle for... They're going to have to adapt and do something different to get more bodies forward compared to what we normally see from them, I think is my concern with West Ham. Um, say, I think Wal Prowse's creativity, whether it's from dead balls or whether it's from generally just playing a bit further forward, might be their most important weapon for them in this game. But I think this is going to be low scoring, is my gut feeling. Yeah. Okay. And I think mine pretty much agrees with it as well. Um, West Ham 1.2, fixed ability walls 1.2, 1.6xg, uh, 1.6 uh, and 1.5, maybe 1.1, 1, 1 maybe. It's got, it's got, mm. it, I think there's maybe a draw in there for me. Uh, West Ham right, Gabe, as you said. Uh, wolves are very slightly in the centre and on their right. So not a lot, not a lot really to talk about. Um, I think we can. Move on, if that's okay. Um, there's a little bit of feedback coming through. I'm not sure who from. Um, Liverpool against Manchester United, Gabe. I think this is the last one. Um, we'll serve the frivolity till the end. <laughs> right. Uh, sorry, sorry, the evil laughs on its way, I guarantee you. Um, what's your numbers, sir? 1.86 Liverpool net XG, 0.89 for United. United all red, 41% chance of a clean sheet for Liverpool here. 79% um, chance of zero or one goals for uh, for Manchester United, uh, which I, I don't know. I, I I this game could could debunk the. Um, <laughs> The idea that uh, that the FPL clean sheet is a myth. I, I don't know if United get anything. United will be without Maguire, Shaw, Lindelof, um, Bruno. Bruno will be out as well. Um, so I just, I just, United are in a in a tough position here against Liverpool. I thought it was interesting that the the zonals. I don't. I I want to see your zonals, Mariner, because mine say. 4.9 for the left, 4.8 for the center for Liverpool, and only 3.2 on the right side. Um, and that that surprised me. Um, do yours say the same? Yep. They do. They absolutely do. They pick it out. Look, I've highlighted it there. Uh, 4.9, 4.8, and only 3.2. So, I mean, is that not good for... I mean, we're just... I'm just talking about Trent. And is, does that actually play against him? Um, that said, yeah... Fixed difficulty is great. 
the defensive fixture difference is good. Uh, expected, uh, so it's four for a fixture difficulty for Liverpool. Now, 1.7 fixture for, uh, for defence. 2.1 XG, 3.1 big chances, 6.6 shots on target, 10.9 shots in the box. Manchester United all red. It's a traffic light situation. Again, it's red and green. Um, the one thing which you always say, though, if Manchester United are going to lift their game, they will lift their game against Liverpool. I guarantee it. That's the game that they lift. They they do not like losing. They 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 hate each other, uh, as we all know. Um, if they're going to give it, if they're going to get something, they'll get something this week. They could they could surprise us. I've got a funny feeling. I think Liverpool have got miles too much, but I wouldn't be. All, I've just got that sneaky suspicion that Manchester might Manchester United might score. Oddly enough, which just tempers me a tiny bit on Trent. But I just like him so much for going forwards. I just think he's just involved in so much now, um, and I, you know, and I think I'm going to have some money to spend, so I may as well spend it. It's burning an hole in my pocket, quite frankly. Um, what's your perspective on this, Craig? Um, who would be your key assets if you wanted? You know, uh, Liverpool's fixtures are still very, very good. Obviously, Salah's going soon. Uh, game week 21, I think, is the last week before Afcon, right? Um, so we've got another five game weeks. Yeah, I think you play us between now and then. I, I won't be getting anyone else from Liverpool. It, well, I'm looking at Darwin here because um, yeah. he's my other. I don't have him yet, and <laughs> you, okay, <laughs> I do, I do, uh, yeah, I do. He's 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 he is shit. Sorry, great, brilliant, I love it. <laughs> Two, two factors here. Now, it might these injuries and especially Bruno being out might change something here. But but Man United's big problem is that they keep playing one number six. So last weekend against Bournemouth, Amrabat basically got left to basically patrol the whole middle of the pitch by himself, while McTominay and Bruno were, were like way ahead of him, and he just got overrun. The fact they've got no Bruno for this game, and I don't know what other midfielders they've got. They may play Manu, the, the, the young lad, in there with him. But at least having two bodies in the number six position will make it, should make Man United a bit sturdier and le- less able to break through them quite so easily. With Amrabat by himself or Casemiro previously to that, they were just so open um, that Liverpool would have got free reign with their higher press and Soboslay sort of finding space around around those areas. So if they're going to play two number sixes here, I think that will help them be a bit more defensively stable. And if they've lost all these defenders, the, the, the big issue Man United try and do is they try and play out from the back, but they try and push the, the central defenders into midfield. Well, those those players don't really have the attributes to receive in those positions. You look at some teams have got like a Declan Rice in there. Man United are trying to play Harry Maguire in that position to receive the ball on the half turn while he's getting pressured from all directions. It's not the same. If they're going to be forced to play Varane and Evans or whatever it's going to be here because everyone else is injured, maybe Man United will just accept that they're going to be more direct in this game. Just let Anana play up the pitch into hopefully Hoy- to Hoyberg to try and hold it up and, and do something. If they do that, Liverpool's press won't be so damaging to them. And if they've got two number sixes, Liverpool won't counter-attack so easily. So it's obviously not a good thing that Bruno's suspended, but it may mean where I thought Liverpool could absolutely tonk them here four or five may, may have been a possibility I'm sort of calming down a little bit with those sort of high hopes and I still think Liverpool will win quite comfortably because Man United just don't have enough going forward and if they're not playing Rashford they haven't got an outlet um, I don't know if they'll bring him back for this game but maybe they'll look for him as an outlet especially if Trent's going to be encouraged to get forward and things like that Rashford might be able to take advantage of any space down that side but 
I think I am still going to captain Salah, despite what I've just said. But is Ten Hag going to adapt, or is he? I think that one of his flaws so far has been that he keeps persisting with the same things that aren't working. So if he's if he's got that sort of mindset, maybe it's going to be the same here. And we've seen so many attackers do well against Man United. Why not punt Darwin? Everyone owns him, right? Because he, there's a hole in him. <laughs> You're muted. You, you can't Chris even talk about Chris him. You, you can't even talk about him. It's for the best. Trust me. <laughs> it should be muted. He's so, he's, I can think he's, of so many reasons why not get Darwin. <laughs> like, uh, but the, the, I, show, I, the show is going to go three hours if we get on that topic. If, if, I if, can't if, tell if you. We were talking about for one week, I would get him. Seriously, for a free hit for one week, I would own him for this game. But I don't want him beyond this game, which is probably why I'll end up getting Watkins in because safer long-term right. striker. But as, as, if we're talking about an actual matchup and a one-week situation, I think Darwin's got a big, big possibility in this game. Yeah, I mean, they're home Manchester United, home Arsenal, away Burnley, home Newcastle, away Bournemouth next five, three home games, and then home Chelsea. They've got four home games in the next six. Do, do the is the goal bigger for Darwin and home games? I'm just, <laughs> just curious. I don't know. <laughs> it makes a change of not taking the piss out of Manchester United. Actually, doesn't it? Really, we, it, I think we've given up with that. If he's going to hold this game, that's the point. We've given up on that one. Say again. The point is, the point is, we've been saying that for years. If yeah. he's going to hold, this is the week. <laughs> Does it rain in the desert occasionally, Gabe? You watch this week. It might rain this week. If I owned him, Chris, what I would be doing, I'd be captaining him this week, Chris, if I owned him. Just, but I don't know. Oh, Darwin. Yeah. You, you're not bothered about my rank. I'm bothered about my rank. I can't dare <laughs> captain him. I've, had a, I've got a heart complaint. I can't captain him. <laughs> you'll be joking. You'll be, you'll be having me back in another bloody stent at this rate if I captain him. Christ alive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure my medical insurance will cover me. Don't cover me for extreme sports like skydiving and things like that. Can't even go to the bloody water park now, apparently. So it's just like captaining Darwin Nunes, right? If I captain Darwin Nunes, the, if it's something that goes wrong, they might not cover me on my insurance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Anyway, um, just one question. Trent or no Trent? It, you know, we've got money. Is he now... Is he now uh, a worthy uh, pick? Yeah, uh, he's overpriced. He's still overpriced for me, but I say with money, no issue. That doesn't doesn't hold the same weight, does it, as what it used to? So, yeah, he's probably one of the best three defenders right now. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, I think I'm going to bring him in anyway. I'm going to have to take Simicass out because I own him already. So they're already <laughs> on trends. I own, already on Salah and uh, and Darwin. God love him. Anyway, right, enough of that. Um, we'll come back to the, I dare say, we'll come back to this game in the captaincy metric as well. Darwin Nones. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> God, he's crazy. I don't know. He's an, he's, he's an enigma, isn't he? Is, is, is Nicholas really Jackson in red? He's not you can an clip enigma. what I've just said and then repeat it. He's an enigma. He is. He's an enigma. He's not. He's an enigma. He's not. He's, he's what do you think just... he is then? Dustbin. He's just shit. It's not, it's not complicated. He's he just fucking sucks. It's if really he scores a hat trick this week, there's so many clips and snippets uh, anyway, from this pod. If he scores a hat trick this week, uh, uh, well, absolutely, we can have some fun with this one, can't we? So anyway, if he scores uh, a hat trick this the match. week, 
He's still shit. <laughs> he is for you. He'll be all right for me. <laughs> my rack Form, might improve finally. He won't score an He'll probably get injured. <laughs> how, many suspe- how many yellow cards has he got? That's the next thing. You watch. But anyway, <laughs> there we go. Right, matchups. Who's best? Uh, uh, fixed difficulty. Uh, Newcastle, Liverpool, both four. Chelsea, 3.8. Brentford, 3.4 without Bumo. Forget that one. Bournemouth, 2.9. Defensively, Newcastle. Forget that one, I think, as well. Manchester City, Liverpool. And Arsenal, Zonals, uh, Liverpool left and centre, Bournemouth right. Who's that? Who's down the right, Gabe? Bournemouth. You're muted again. <laughs> Semenyo. You keep claiming, you complaining about the feedback. I'm not sure. Yeah, it must be. A, there's some feedback going on. Anyway, uh, XG matchups, uh, Liverpool 2.1, Chelsea 2. Bournemouth and Newcastle, 1.9. Big chances, who we got? Manchester, uh, Newcastle's on Manchester United, sorry. Ah, that wasn't going to be the case, was it? Newcastle, 3.3 and Brent and Brentford, 3.2. Shots in the box, who's there? Bournemouth and Liverpool and headers. A headed matchup for Nottingham Forest against Spurs. That's an interesting one, isn't it? 3.6. 3.6 for and 2.9 for Bournemouth against Luton. Mm. Maybe there is something a bit slanky there. Yeah, I'm surprised Everton aren't the highest for that metric, to be honest. They're actually quite low down. I'm very surprised by the fact that Everton, you think, would be the big advantage team for that this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, anyway, that was at one, one hour 21 for the uh, listeners, if you want to come and pick that. Uh, summary up and the next five so that's 17 through 21 uh, very very quickly attack Newcastle although goodness me they're in such a mess uh, 15.9 Chelsea 14.2 Liverpool 12.8 and then a gap to play to teams like Villa Arsenal and uh, Brentford and even lower to Manchester City they're really quite a long way down on fixture difficulty in the next few weeks um, obviously they've got a game missing they've got one game less um, Newcastle 2.5 for defence, uh, Arsenal 2.7, Chelsea 2.3, um, City there. Zonals very quickly, Spurs centre, Liverpool centre, and Arsenal. I'll just pick one out there, Arsenal right. Uh, XG, Liverpool and Newcastle, uh, big chances, Liverpool and Newcastle. Uh, shots on target, Liverpool, shots in the box, Liverpool and Aston Villa. Um, and Arsenal and Bournemouth and headers. If you really like your headed matchups, West Ham, Suchek perhaps, um, Forest. I don't know why they've got such good headed matchups anyway. And Arsenal. Right, that's that bit. Um, what we're going to do now is we're going to look at the talisman side of things. This is a new thing which we're doing, Craig, and we've just started doing this in recent weeks. So I'm going to quickly whiz through this and then we'll get to the captain symmetric and then we'll get into the questions. So the next five involvements for cap for the uh, talisman, and uh, Salah's still top, but he'll start to drop, obviously, because uh, once we get past game week, I think game week 21, he, he drops off to AFCON, right? Um, but look who is second and third, and it's Watkins and Solanke. And they remain very, very strong, solid picks, in my opinion. They uh, are pretty much nailed. Their expected involvement and actual involvement are around the same. Um, 
about 40% for Watkins, 43 expected for, sorry, 43 expected for, for Solanke, 40 for Watkins. Um, 31 actual for Solanke, so he's just slightly underperforming right now. Um, don't I flaming know it. Um, interestingly enough, Gabe, um, when you're talking about team XGs, Bournemouth's team XG is actually pretty good at this moment in time as well. The XG matchups for Bournemouth are pretty good. So in the past, we've said, ah, oh, you know, poor team talisman. But I'm not quite, I'm not quite sure there. I'll read the fourth one out. It's Jackson from Chelsea. Speaking of poor team talisman. <laughs> yeah, talisman, talisman of expected goals, but not actual. Um, but, uh, and, and Saka, then Saka Son Gordon as well. Um, this is all again. You'll find all this around one hour twenty-four. Uh, there's Watkins. Villa are fourth expected matchups for XG. Watkins is second at three point two in the next five. Pretty good. Pretty good. Then McGinn, interestingly enough, uh, is has now popped up. Did you notice Diaby has disappeared? He's vanished now. He was up there, wasn't he, before? We always used to said that Darwin, uh, sorry, Darwin, Diaby was a bit of a, he, he was going to be a can, cannibalised Watkins to a certain extent. He hasn't mm. actually in recent weeks. Um, Watkins cannibalised him. Yeah, him. probably. Probably. So there's, Craig, there's the... For, for Craig, yeah, yeah, yeah. on pens? Um, yeah, it's an unknown, actually. I, I, I wouldn't want to guess who's going to take a pen if we get one in this mm. game. Um, Watkins missed Interesting. the last one or two, so it's yes, possible it could be McGinn, but I, I don't know. It's the answer. Okay. It's another cheap option, isn't he, really? He's, he's, but, I, I mean, you know, let's face it. Um, you're going to have Watkins. You might end up with Marino now, I think. I, think I wouldn't be surprised if you give it to him. He's, he's, he's not scored for a couple of games, Watkins. I'm not saying he's down on confidence, but he obviously he's, he's a striker at the best of times who can be a bit a bit wasteful. I think he, if his confidence mm. is down, that'll make him even worse. So if we get a pen, I wouldn't be surprised for one game if he gets it, just to try and give him a little confidence boost. Yeah. But, but I mean, indeed. Watkins is expected involvement next five. 0.53, 0.83, 0.56, 0.8, 0.48. So, you know, he's plenty of involvement there. And there's there you go again. There's the other one. I thought I'd just put Solanke up as well for you. You know, Bournemouth are sixth for their XG. Solanke third at 3.14. And then you've got Tavernier and Christie, actually. But there's a lot of players kicking around in that sort of um in, in that sort of spot. That that's that third that second and third spot really is 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 a number of players there. Solanke still stands out as the uh you know as the pick. Uh, and again, you know his numbers. You can see those at the bottom. They're, they're pretty good. Um, not going to go into too quick, much detail. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I, I, I saw Harland this week. I've still got Cameron Archer as my third striker. Is this all suggesting to you that it's worth taking the hit to move both of them to Selenki and Watkins? I, look, I, I think if you're talking long term, I think they pay off because they are just so talismanic. Both of them, they are. You know. They are Watkins is very highly owned as well, whereas Solanke isn't. I think what's his ownership these days? It's not that high, is it? Still not high. Nine, ten percent maybe. Um and I just think he's a good pick for the next four or five weeks. So have they got the home Luton, 10%. away Forest, home of Fulham, away Spurs, and then home Liverpool. You know, anybody can score against Liverpool away. 
when Liverpool are away, quite frankly. We've seen that before now. Um, obviously, the Spurs game is a tough game, but they can, nothing to say they can't score there. But Luton, Forest, and Spurs, Fulham. Spurs Luton, all the time. Luton, Forest, and Fulham, next three. I really like Solanke, actually. Yeah, I might take the minus but, four and move Archer and uh, Haaland then to, to Watkins and Solanke. Might be worth who's, it. Who, who would be your midfield replacement option that you would be benching in that scenario, Craig? Well, that's the other one. I've got Saka, Sun, Salah and Sterling and Palmer. And Sterling and Palmer have got Sheffield United and then the other three you don't bench, right? So That's where it's <laughs> difficult. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's the problem. And to be honest, I mean, I own, um, I own Gordon, Palmer, uh, Diaby, who's obviously it's a simple one. He could, I could always bench him this week if I needed, if I didn't want to move him off. Um, but, but yeah, that's the tricky one, isn't it? If, if you go into that three, if you go into three up front, then, you know, if you, if you then stand to create yourself a bench headache, whether it's worth it or not remains to be seen, right? I mean, I, I think for, for game week 18, it's obvious, right? Like for those, for those that are doing it one at a time, like like this game week, I, I went Erling Holland to to Solanke for this game week, and then next game week I'll go Cameron Archer to uh, to Watkins for the for the captaincy for next game week. Um, I, I I don't think you need them both this game week, especially if it forces you to to bench a, a player in a good fixture. Yes, fair. Okay, so I suppose we need to have a look at the captaincy metric, do we? Uh, so. Right, hang on a minute. Let me just sort something out. All right, here we go. So uh, let's play the jingle and let's have a look. And it's Salah. Uh, and it's and to be honest with you, I wasn't at all surprised about that. But I'll tell you what, I was surprised about. I was surprised about how fast Trent Alexander Arnold has come flying up the metric in recent weeks. So he's now second, only just behind Salah. Now, the only thing I would say, Gabe, again, we've been saying it already, the, the Zonals doesn't really, uh, doesn't like Trent quite so much. Um, but everything else, it really likes them. I'll, cut, I'll put the numbers up in a second. <laughs> it's got Jackson third. But I'll, and I'll, again, I'll explain this in a minute. And it's Isaac fourth. Uh, let's put the um, the metric up on the screen so that you can actually see it. And again, we can tinker with this if we wanted to. So what we're seeing here, obviously, this week is uh, eighty nine for Salah, but you know his his green pretty much all the way across. The only thing which is slightly down, actually, Gabe, the only slight doubt about Liverpool is the net xG. Very slightly down in comparison to to others. Um, not a lot, but just a bit. You know, when it comes to percentile, it's pulled them down a little bit. But if you look at Trent and Salah, uh, you know, minutes, hauls, returns, points, all very, very good. Uh, fixed difficulty is very good for Liverpool attack. Now, of course, I've put Alec Trent down as Liverpool defence. And I've also put the net XG against as well. So that's how it's working that one out. So it's taking the net XG against for him. But then if you look at expected involvement, Salah over Trent, big chances Salah over Trent, and Zonals, obviously Salah over Trent, and we've mentioned that already. Um, Just really okay, quickly on, on that net XG point, uh, Mariner, um, I, I think the problem with, with that piece is that the net XG is being calculated by percentiles. When you look at the yes. actual numbers, it's 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 just because 
Arsenal face Brighton, Chelsea face Sheffield United, yeah. City face. So so it's just the other matchups are so good. Uh, Liverpool's yeah. fixture is still good, but it doesn't show up necessarily as good because it's not the yeah. best. So yeah, that's fine. But it averages it anyway. It averages the fixture difficulty and the net XG anyway. So it takes it. It takes it as an average. So we we try and neutralize out any errors by doing it that way. Um, interestingly, Jackson third, right? And it, it's, we could have a little laugh and we could have a laugh and a chuckle about this. But the fixture difficulties and net XG is very good for Chelsea this week. But look at the past performance. So basically, the expected involvements are high, but in practice, look at him. Look at his numbers. So his actual previous numbers are not good. 63 hole, 41 return, 73 points. Fixture difficulty is good, which is heavily weighted, and his expected involvement is good. So if you think he's going to turn a corner this week, then good luck to you. Um, but that's the reason why he is in that slot. If he was any, if he was any good, he'd be top this week. I think against Sheffield United, you know, you know what it's like. Yeah. Uh, Isak, then Solanke fifth, Saka sixth. Son is miles down, and the reason he's down, Gabe, is it's all to do with a fixture difficulty. Mm-hmm. Everything to do with. So if you think that fixture is much, much better, like for sake of argument, if we wanted to change, if we wanted to change this fixture to the, if you think it's as good as Liverpool's fixture. It takes Son up to second. So it's just your perspective. Do you think yeah. Son is a bad pick? Is he a bad captaincy option this week? I, I think the numbers might the, the numbers might think he is. I'll tell you what, he doesn't need much to change and he's right up there. I think it's hard to captain him when you think he's playing left midfield. There's a big difference between where he plays on the pitch. We won't know that until kickoff, right? But I think that's such a big factor for him more than others that well, it's an unknown. I don't think we can take that risk, unfortunately. And that's my perspective on it. Can I show a Harland? Hang on a minute. Sorry, Gabe. Um, if he was fit, maybe not. Yeah, 70. But I think, but maybe. No, it's not going to do it. I'll have to do this as well. 79. I think it's 79. Right there with Solanke. Yeah. So I, I made the sideways uh, move of going wrong. Holland to Solanke. Um, he's up there. <laughs> if he plays 90 minutes, he's up there. Hmm. Yeah. He's playing at home to a mid-table team and he's still not top. That must be quite unusual for, for, for this outcome to happen. I think it's this. I think maybe the fixture difficulty and things like that again. I mean, look, he is very, very good here. Um, I think it suggests just recently what's been happening is that Manchester City have been pulled down by the fixture difficulty and the net XG uh, because of the fact they don't create that much at home. Um, and that's the way that our metrics are working. So, yeah, I mean, he's very close to being top. But I think, look, Liverpool against... Uh, against a pretty leaky Manchester United team, I think. Quite frankly, I think if I was if I was looking at the two this week, I think I'd probably go Salah anyway. If they were both fit, that would be me. Well, how is how how is Holland a hundred percentile percentile in Hall when he's only hauled once in the last six? Did he haul recently? Nope. 
Rasmus Oh, Sheffield. never mind. He didn't. No, he didn't play against Luton, so he actually has two exactly. halls in his last six. That's yes, why. That's in his why. last six. Correct. In his last six, there are two halls. Yeah. Right. Correct. 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 Okay. Anyway, so that's the metric. So there we go. Salah uh, and Trent one two, uh, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll go from there. Should we take some questions? Yes, sir. Let's. Uh, I'll let you run this run the ship for a while, Gabe. I'll just have a drink. Um, no, no, I don't have. I don't have anything set up to run the ship. All right. Then. Well, the questions are in the start oh, questions yeah, anyway. So, I've started the questions. So, if you can see them, I can. I can do them anyway. So, let let me do them. <clears throat> so, all right. Tom White, I can upgrade uh, trips to Trent. Is it a bit short term, guys? Who's answering that one? <laughs> Silence, <laughs> come on. Right, and I are waiting for um yes, 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 yes. I it's short term. I don't think short I'd term. Do I don't think I would do it either. I think the way Trippier plays for Newcastle is more reliable than Trent. He's better for bonus, more reliable for those sorts of yeah. factors. I still think Newcastle's defence is better than Liverpool's, assuming that everyone's fit and available and stuff as well for clean sheets. So yeah, I don't think I'd do it. Just sell oh. Haaland and own both. Yeah, that, that's the other solution. Yeah, Try and get them both. <laughs> um, uh, Ignatius, uh, my question this week, does Ariola and Bruno to Martinez and Richie, worth, is it worth a minus four? Ariola and Bruno to Martinez and uh, Rich Arlitrol, my mate. He still looks as mad as a box of frogs, doesn't he? he looks crazy. <laughs> Barmy. It never strikes, it strikes me as his nutter. <laughs> I reckon it'd be good company, you know. I reckon it'd be an interesting chap to get to know. Um, but yeah, Ariola and Bruno to Martinez and Rich Allison from minus four. Craig. I like Martinez as a pick now, not just as a Villa fan, but I think he's low owned. Yes. I've seen from past seasons that he can yeah. get save points and bonus. If, he, if Villa go on a run of clean sheets, he could get quite a lot of points. So I still think he'll get save points with them. And they've got some decent home fixtures coming up yeah. as well. And I was looking at that only today. Yes, he's just that little bit more expensive, but don't need to worry about money anymore. <laughs> Love for sell um, Ireland. Can't, not until we need him back I don't think I can go on record to say you get Richarlison in for a hit I can't, I can't agree to that part of it <laughs> right you know said yeah I, is, but, um, I, I tend to agree with you <laughs> I, I think Richarlison I'll ask you this one well, really quickly, I, I think Richarlison is a way to differentiate from the pack and potentially rise. Uh, going back to the philosophy, um, I think I think is a. I, I went Luis Diaz and it didn't work out. So you know, if you're going Richarlison, yeah, I think it's fine. But then he can he could just leave you sat on the toilet feeling miserable, which is what he's done to most people in his life. So yeah. <laughs> the next question from Clint: Would you prioritize Poro Gabe this week? One free transfer, cash or gay to Poro. Think I'll get Watkins next week for Alvarez and keep Haaland. Cash to Porro this week. And, and I, yeah. I don't know, like, so I'm, I'm still holding hope that cash might play against Sheffield United. And it's and it's flying in the face of, like, Villa fans and people that know Villa way more than me. And I, and so I, I'm going to throw this one to Craig. Um, do you not, like, against a team like Sheffield United where... where um, where that, that flank kind of um, presence is so needed. Don't you think cash and Moreno make sense? 
Or is that think, not going to happen? I think there's a chance. I'll, I'll definitely put it 50-50 that he starts against Sheffield United. And I certainly think he'll get minutes in that game. If it doesn't start, he'll get minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. This weekend, I'm quite confident it's like 20% the, the, the prospect of him starting against Brentford. So right. I, I sold Gwaihi for Poro last week just because Palace's fixtures are rough. Um, I know he's, he's got safe minutes, but they're rough. Um, I, so I, I think Poro is probably the priority defender to own right now. If you don't have him, I'd yeah. probably put him above Trent. As, as a priority to yeah. get to whether I'd prioritize that over getting rid of Haaland I guess it puts your perspective from whether you think so personally I think he'll be out into sort of mid-January maybe even February I think it's that serious what's wrong with him I don't think it's sort of a, a one-two week thing but again that's just a gut feeling and an opinion rather than knowledge so mm-hmm. if, if you want to keep Haaland for I don't know why he would though. He hasn't got a game next week, and I think there's a good chance he won't be available for, on a basis. Alvarez has been benched tonight as well. You're clearly saving him for the weekend, right? To make sure they don't suffer like, him getting injured. So you, yeah. you're basically getting like, two weeks with certainly no Haaland, it looks like, as a minimum. So I think the priority's got to be to move that on. Um, but if you want to take a minus four, I think Poro's the, the defender to get, yeah. Fair enough. We've we've done FPL teacher. We can't talk about Bournemouth anymore, boys. Um, so uh, even uh, <laughs> Dred just said Bournemouth defence. What? <laughs> really? <laughs> but yeah, question for the panel: Dom Sem, Dom Tav, or Sem Tav? Only one. That's my perspective. No, I, I I think if you want to get two, I think that's perfectly fine. Um, it, I think the which two you get depends on your structure, right? Um, I mean, Semenyo is is what four point six million. Um, you know, you could go Dom Semenyo and Watkins as a front three and have Semenyo rotate or or, or whatever. I I'd, I'd probably prefer that uh, given the options in midfield. Okay. All right. Um... That's that one. Uh, Dinesh said, Palmer captain. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, well, let's keep going. Uh, here's one. If Ariola's fit, would you start Ariola and Livramento or Dubravka and Simicas? Craig? Uh, I would start Dubravka over Ariola and I would. I'd probably start the two Newcastle guys, actually. I think Livermento's probably got more chance of an attacking return than Simicast, I think. Yeah. I, so it doesn't answer the question because that wasn't no. an option. But, but I, I think he's already play. decided he don't want to start both. <laughs> I think he's, he's clearly, Nick's clearly decided he want to start both. He's very, we've frightened him already. Don't start Areola. Just don't start Areola. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Unless I you agree absolutely have to. Yeah. The Bravka and Simicast, if it has to be one of those pairings, but... yeah. But Dubravka so, and Livermento, if you want more points. No. <laughs> uh, thinking of Emmy, minus three. What does he mean, minus 3.4? I don't quite understand what he means. But anyway, Martinez. I think he's an interesting pick. Uh, here's another one for you uh, from, uh, was it Il Janis? Or should I start Mopai versus Aston Villa, coach? <laughs> uh, uh, if you've got Neil Mopai, then. I think maybe you should say, should I start Mopai versus Aston Villa Nurse? <laughs> it's one of those, isn't it? Villa, Villa's incredibly high line. I don't know if Mopai's got the pace to take advantage of that. What was the goal against Chelsea earlier this year? Was he involved in that running in behind when there was no goalkeeper, wasn't it? That That's right. That's Yeah, he nearly missed yeah, that yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh dear! I'd, I'd uh, probably try and avoid that if I could help it, but I don't know who these other seven attackers are. Uh, there may be someone if you, worse. If you've got nothing team. else, um, transfer him out. Get some manual in. Yeah, if you own Diaby, play him. No. Um, <laughs> so, thoughts on Martinelli to Gordon from K Seven, chaps? Yeah, do it. I can't advocate getting a Newcastle attacker right now, given what their squad's looking like. So I'm saying no for that reason. Mm. I'm not saying maybe I'm not saying keeping Martinelli is the right option, but I wouldn't be going to Gordon. Oh, right, here we inside. go. Uh, just the last couple of questions. Here's one here uh, from FPL Teach. Is an interesting one. One player in each outfield position that can potentially break the template. That's a nice question to finish. As whilst I'm just messing around down here trying to figure out where else is there. Martinez is the goalkeeper. Going on? Martinez is the goalkeeper, I think. Yes, well, that's outfield positions, by the way. Well, anyway, that's that. just <laughs> just a slight just a slight problem. But no, uh, who do you reckon? Very quickly, because we've got literally, we'll do two minutes and then we'll get out of it. Uh, um, who can break the template? That's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, Defense, um, Alex Moreno. It's just whether he gets enough starts. He's playing this week because Dinier's banned. Um, will he? Will he stay in the team? There's a few Villa players I mean, like Jacob Ramsey could be back very soon and playing lots of games. Villa are quite interesting right now because outside of Watkins, I think all their players are quite lowly owned. So there's going to be someone in amongst Villa that even even Pau, Pau Torres is only six percent owned, so he could break the. I mean, but the thing is, his you know, that goal aside, I think uh, obviously Alex Moreno has a much bigger upside. You guys began the season with Alex Moreno. Like, he was he was the clear starter. Dean was a backup, and Dean only gets yeah. time before, right? So, I, yeah. I don't see, I mean, I, I think over time, they've Emery came to the determination that Alex Moreno is just a better player and does more things for the team. So, given his upside, because he's always in the box, I think that that's what could cause him to break the template. In midfield, I'll, I'll say Richarlison. I'll stick with that one. <laughs> I'll, I'll go I'm going to say Trent at the Trent at the back. That's a proper template breaker. Because if you know that he's a proper template breaker, because you're going to have to change your team completely, aren't you? Potentially to do that. But if mm. if Harlan's fit, um, or if he was fit, he'd be a complete game changer potentially. So I think he's a good template. But I think who else would you? I think then you're thinking is is there a I mean, some people are already on three four three anyway. But are you looking at someone moving from to a three four three? So I'm going to pick one player who's sort of like bouncing around a little bit on the talisman, a little bit further down. That's Cunha from Wolves. I quite like the look of him. He's he's kicking around. I don't know what will happen when Neto, how, how long it is before Neto comes back. Whether that'll change much. Midfield difficult. That's I'm going to very tough. I'm going to go for Ensu Fati on the basis that Matoma and Adingra are both going to AFCON. So they're not blessed right. with loads of wide players. I don't know. Fatty got injured, I think, last game. So that could yeah, be... He's, yeah, he was, yeah. I don't know how long he's out for. But if he's back anytime soon, I think he could be a, an interesting pick throughout could, January. Could it be gross then? Could it be gross? He won't play wide, though. Getting, I don't know he's going to be the wide players. I, I don't think people will shift hard to gross, regardless. Of no, they're not going to shift. No, but I mean, it's not really no. a template breaker, is it? It's not a template no. breaker. So I think Trent. I think Trent's my number one template breaker, actually. And, I, and I'll mention Unkunku in midfield could be a template breaker. 
Um, and, yeah, and Kunku, Kunku, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, striker, yeah. he's a forward, Def- right? Yeah, yeah but he's still a template breaker because what he's going to do yeah, is gr- might throw people away from that 4.5 archer, right? He could easily yeah. throw someone, especially if you want Watkins, you know, all of a sudden, then you've got a situation and I'd have to sell Trent again. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. There's, there's some good shouts too. Ignatius says Neto when Pedro Neto yeah, comes back. I like him, yeah. Um, yeah. Kieran, yeah. I feel discomfort said the same thing. Yeah. Don't hate yeah, that. Definitely. Super job. All right. Uh, gents, I think we'll call it a day. One hour 48. I think that's enough for us, don't you? Um, thank you very much, as always. Uh, Craig, it's been a pleasure, as always. Thanks for coming on again and, uh, and trying to keep some sanity out in this madness <laughs> which is going on from across the world. All good, all good. It's, it's, it's good for me. Hard days work, you come on here and chill out, right? It's good. Yeah, well, that's exactly what we're doing. Well, so I'm not quite sure about that. So I've got to go and take my tablets now after listening to Gabe. But anyway. If this is chilling out. Imagine what Mariner's like during the day. Holy shit. <laughs> I've got this new watch. It keeps telling me I'm stressed out. It keeps telling me I'm stressed. <laughs> watch is just going to fry like, fuck this. I'm not measuring you anymore. Started beeping at me. Stay beeping at me. I was thinking about Darwin Nunes. Stay beeping. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'll tell you, the moral of the story is if you've got if you've got any form of heart complaint, I really suggest, you know, they always said, you know, do not attempt this if you have any form of heart heart issue. That's Darwin Nunes pick. Or Rich Allison, actually. But there we go, there's another story. <laughs> in Gabe's case Harvey Barnes but that's even more anyway chaps uh, it's been a pleasure Gabe thank you again mate Uh, good to see you enjoy your uh, Wednesday (laughs) what day of the week it is nearly Thursday for me Uh, yes very nearly all the best chaps and uh, let's hope we get some green arrows this week and uh, thank you all us and we will all see you again soon I've just realised that I haven't done the mini league and I haven't done the thank yous but we are going to get out of here. We'll do them next week. Take care. Bye-bye.